Hello, Internet. This is Chase Wasson, a.k.a. the Red Shirt King, and welcome to another very special edition of the Guest Alliance Unicoin Challenge podcast. We have just finished watching the first quarterfinals between the Flash Wolves and Origin. It went exactly how I predicted, which was terrible for my gambling results, because I am an idiot. And I am joined by a much smarter person than me, at least today, Walter Fetchuk. Walter, how are you doing, man? I think over the course of this entire unicorn challenge, someone has been the smarter person. Oh, okay. Is that is that how I'm we're going to play it? I, no, I actually don't want to play it like that way because I don't feel all that smart betting on Orion in Europe against Flash Wolves that clearly had problems. Well, well this was my problem, right? And, I, and we're going to get to the unicorn challenge part of this right away because I already started there. Um, I, I looked at the odds and I realized that you, you're not allowed to multi-bet on prop bets. Because the thing about the exotic bets is if you really were to, to parlay these things, there wouldn't be enough of a VIG to justify it for the casino. So this is why these are one-time bets, yeah. uh, which makes a lot of sense. I, you know, Talking to someone from Unicorn about it, that makes a lot of sense. But I wasn't expecting that when I was originally you know, talking about my picks or whatever. So then I, I kind of did that thing where I overthought it. And I'm like, you know, I don't think Flash Wolves win. But I think the value on a lot of these Flash Wolves bets are really good. And I've been wrong on so many series so far these, this tournament that maybe it's worth risking being wrong as an analyst and counting on these nice bets to come in and kind of push me ahead. And meanwhile, you just said, why don't I do the thing that I think is going to happen? And that worked out well for you. <laughs> that, that's, uh... that's all I've been doing this entire time. <laughs> the, entire, the only time that I don't think I've made any bets on things that I thought were going to happen was like the H2K <laughs> Uh, like three. the H2K, yeah, three three man parlay thing, which was like, which was amazing, by the way. And, and I any TSM bet, any TSM bet, yeah, that was, that was pretty. But that uh, you're now leading by two hundred twenty one point six three unicorns. At the that end is of an incredible turnaround. You you, <laughs> you, you extended it by one fifty three point one five. Well, basically, what happened is like last week, I made it all up on the on the last day of group stage with that group B bets Ugh. because I had faith in the LMS. And then I just threw it all away today is essentially what happened. And I'm right back to where I started. You, you know what I'm learning is that every other gameplay day, LMS plays well. They so, played well on last Sunday, so it was Thursday. They played terribly. So that means, by that definition, AHQ 3-0 SKT tomorrow. Man, you heard it here first, ladies and gentlemen. Um, we're going to get Put to that. all your savings on that. I'm telling you right now. It, it's an infallible theory. I, I am a... I am a gambling expert. Yes, it says There's so. There's a reason you listen to me. It says so on our Twitter profiles, which cannot possibly be incorrect. So, you know, we're going to get to that series in more depth <laughs> in a little bit. But I do think we should start by talking about the series that we just saw, the Splash Wolves versus Origin series. And, and, and I want to start with, you know, I, I guess we should just go through every game in this series because I think every game had a little bit of a twist to it. When you watch this first game, you know, Origin pulls it out, but it, it's a very back-and-forth game. Did you leave that game feeling better about Origin or better about Flash Wolves as far as how you thought the rest of the series was going to go at that point? Um, game one went about how I expected. Uh, Orion has shown that on red side they have a very strong game plan. Uh, the thing that really surprised me was, like, the first pick Darius. Mm-hmm. Um, which I get uh, that that surprised me as much as Flash Wolves not taking Darius, but I guess they really really wanted Carson Rexai. It 
It was very strange yeah. that they prioritized Rek'Sai over Darius, considering that Stake had such a such an impact while playing playing the champion. But I understand that okay, well if OG, you know, if Orion takes it, we have you know very easy counter picks in in Nar in uh, Lissandra, who I still think is a counter pick, and in, in, you know a few others that I believe Stake would be able to play Olaf, uh, you know, Nar being the primary one, which as you know. On, you're on red side, you have to ban the Mordekaiser, you have mm-hmm. to ban the Gangplank, and Lulu is kind of, eh. you know, either we don't ban it and they pick it and we get two power, you know, we get the Darius and we get something else, or we ban Lulu and, you know, maybe they take Darius and we get the counter pick. It, it's just, back and forth game one, in my head, just was going to go to Orion because I think that Orion prepares better on red side. Well, see, yeah, this, and this is where you and I, I think, disagree a little bit. I did not like... Uh, the way Origin did handled their uh, their red side strategy, especially when we get to game three, uh, it felt like they had it already locked in. It was going to be Mordekaiser, Gangplank, Lulu. That's what they were going to ban. They didn't really care about anything else. And I, I don't know. I I didn't think that Stake played well enough in this series that you really needed to be afraid of the Lulu. Whereas I thought that there were other picks that were significantly scarier on Flashwolf's side that would have been more worth that ban. But it was more worrying for me, and this is why I think Origin got away with one there. What is... I, I, you know, the whole Flash Wolves draft, especially in that game one, was built around putting Amazing on Gragas. And, you know, I'm not... You know, I, I'm not a coach. I'm not saying that I know everything about everything. But it's... Putting Amazing on Gragas is not... That's not going to help you. He has he played Gragas more than any other champion in this European split. Gragas is his most comfortable champion. Sure, he won seven and five, but he had to play Fnatic several times with that champion. He's very good at it. What is the purpose of building a whole strategy, banning the Elise, which means Karza can't have it, even though Karza is a very good Elise, to try to force him on a Rex on, on a Gragas pick that you know he can play? It was it was just weird all around. And and, and you know the LeBlanc, I, I get it. I get why they went with it, but I also get why they abandoned it right away because even with Maple playing as well as he did in that first game, and I thought the that game one was a uh, was a Maple statement game in a lot of ways. If you're looking at positives to take from from Flash Wolf's play, I thought he was able to grab solo kills consistently. He was able to, you know, put himself in a position ahead of X Peke at a lot of times, but it didn't do anything for the team. And it was very clear after this first game that all of these games were going late. And, you know, suddenly, you know, Origin grabs this Baron at the 31-minute mark, and Soaz gets the pentakill, and nothing about what Maple was doing on LeBlanc mattered anymore. Great champion. Great, 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 great champion. Fantastic champion. I didn't think he was going to get the pentakill when Morgana uh, zoned. I thought that was gonna gonna screw him up enough. I thought he was gonna die, but you know, good old Soaz, he tilts one direction. <laughs> he uh, he had a very interesting series basically this whole time. I you know when it comes to a guy <laughs> against a, a laning opponent like Stake, I, I think this is exactly what you're hoping for for Soaz. But this was a game like I, I left that game saying to myself, you know, take out the Soaz Baron Pentagill, the dragon for Baron trade, which was just Flash Wolves playing scared. Um, which I understand, but you you can't play that way if you want to win. That's playing not to lose. Uh, and then forgetting that Origin is like the king of backdoors, and you know you you do that dragon and then give up your entire base. 
probably not the best move. Thanks for ruining the surprise, Arian. I thought that was going to be like the the game four winner or the game five winner. And like, nope, let's just do it right at the beginning. We're just going to alt Neils into their base and then TP in. That was that was. Hmm. Okay. <laughs> I uh I, I don't like to disparage games. I know there are a lot of people like Monte Cristo sent out a tweet about like, man, this looks like it was scientifically engineered to be the most boring best of five possible. And I hate when people say that. Well, it, that's what happens when you have two of the the, <laughs> the longest game t- average game time teams playing against each other. It's 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 not like they put SKT and uh who is another fast finisher. Um SKT and SKT against each other, and then they went on for an hour and a half. Like, these were two very slow, very methodical teams. Like, come on. They, they, they run double teleport. They're not going aggressive. They're going for this very slow, drawn-out, methodical play style where they're just going to be pulling flash wheels around the map. I, I don't understand the complaint. We all knew it was going to be long games. Yeah, no, and that, and that's fair. I guess where the complaint comes in, and I felt this way about Game 1 and Game 2, and, and basically every game. When it comes to Origin, uh, vision control was a huge problem for Origin. I remember, you know, Tyke talking to you throughout this whole series, and pretty much in every game I was sending you a, man, if Origin just had wards and felt comfortable making the pushes that they should be able to make, this would be really easy, and they would just win this game. And they just never really took advantage of that. This was something that I mentioned uh, before the you know in the podcast yesterday that this was a team that had struggled to keep up with vision compared to some of their other contemporaries and it showed in this game uh, it didn't extremely keep, you know it, Karza didn't benefit from it and I I will say I was a little underwhelmed by Karza's performance overall in this particular uh, in this particular best of five but at the same time it really did feel like Origin didn't take advantage of their power spikes and it just kept giving Flash Wolves all these opportunities to get back into it which in game two. You know, again, what are we looking at? Uh, it's it's Flash Wolves um, getting that Baron at 28 minutes uh, in a, at a time where they should have been down by a significant margin, but now they're they're pretty much back in it. You know, a, a terrible fight for Flash Wolves in the in their own blue side jungle because they're out of position. You know, gives Origin uh, a mid inhibitor, and then suddenly it's a uh, you know, uncontested second Baron for Origin and the game's over. I I, I don't know. I, I, did it feel to you like Origin in that second game in particular was really taking these victories? Or do you think it was more of just this this problem that Flash Wolves seem to have of, of when you only have two carries and you have an Anivia, you isolate one and then you win the fight because they only have one person left who can deal damage? Uh, I think you're underestimating Lulu's damage a little bit in that regard. Um, let me, let me put it this way. Game two was the Niels show. It was mm. Niels getting his best character by far, mm. by far. Let, <laughs> let's, let us not have any qualms about it. Niels is a very, very, very good Callista player. There is no reason he should be getting it. But this goes to show just how pathetic Red Side is in terms of its bans. Mm-hmm. You're either going to let Gangplank go through to Soaz, who's a monster on that champion. You're going to risk Mordekaiser, who... At this point, guys, you got to figure out how to beat this champion. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. You can't just keep banning a champion because you don't want to play against it. It is actually harming you. 
Mm-hmm. It is outright harming you. And Flash Wolves, they give up the Lulu because they're scared of that double TP from, from Peke on Twisted Fate. I can't blame them. That's probably the most intelligent ban that Flash Wolves has on red side. Just straight up is banning the Twisted Fate over the course of the series and being and deciding to do it on red side instead of the Lulu is probably the most intelligent fla- thing Flash Wolves did in the draft phase. Uh, but at the end of the day, it doesn't matter because you still have Niels on his best ca- on his best character. Well, well, this is the funny thing about that Twisted Fate, right? If you look at the European summer season, uh, Xpeke played it twice and they lost both of those games. He actually was not a particularly great Twisted Fate. Twisted Fate was not it was not strong in the meta during well, the regular season. And I understand that, and it's obviously in a much better place now. But I, I think there are a lot of things Xpeke is going to be really, really good at. I don't think. Like, are, are we going to believe that, you know, Twisted Fate, uh, when he's at his best, is a guy who can gank around the map, get these lanes, kind of snowball. Up until game four, Origin didn't show any propensity towards doing that. I think there are, I, I would rather have seen the Callista ban in this game too than the Twisted Fate ban. I think giving Niels that champion is much scarier than giving Xpeke the opportunity to pick Twisted Fate, which he might not have even done given the way that, they were trying to use this Anivia particularly to counter the way that Maple likes to play the game. I I, I don't know. I, I get what you're saying. I, I would disagree because Twisted Fate can do a lot of this, a lot of similar things to what Anivia is doing. Of of if you're going to be playing an assassin, uh, as long as he's really smart about his usage of the 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 wild card or not wild cards, the pick a card, mm-hmm. you can very effectively shut down a LeBlanc trying to go into you. Like very effectively if you're a good Twisted Fate player. Plus, it's another teleport that fits into Orion's style. Mm-hmm. Like, I understand Orion did not play their style the most effectively today, which, fine, whatever. I'll, I'll, I'll you know, I'll bite my tongue and say that, but mm-hmm. allowing them to get a champion that has a built-in teleport into his kit that deals as much damage as a Twisted Fate does in the split, in split push is extremely dangerous. You just can't let it get into his hands if you're a team that is not much, much better than them. Tomorrow or next week, when when SKT play against Orion, I don't expect to see a Twisted Fate ban unless Orion wins a game and Peke goes off on Twisted Fate because I think that SKT or potentially HQ are better teams. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, no, I'm just going to say SKT. I'm not even yeah. going to fiddle around with HQ because that's an entire, entirely different monster. Right. Uh, but I just think that this is, this is a team that was not confident in their ability to beat Orion while letting Orion play at their best. And like, I, I guess that's, Orient did game one. I guess that's my problem, right? If, if you're going to play in such a way that you don't think you can beat this team when you know, you know, when they're playing the style, like you, you should be strategizing, understanding that this is the way Origin's going to play, regardless. I, I don't, I don't know. I just, I, I get what you're saying, and and, and certainly Xpeke has been very good on this champion so far in this tournament. Certainly, it's a champion that you know people have talked about, you know. The reason that people hate Twisted Fate is because it changes your calculations because he can constantly be teleporting in. So you always have to take that into account no matter what you're doing. And I understand how annoying that is. I, I, I truly do. It's a, it's a rough pick to go against, and Xpeke is one of the better people at it, especially right now. I just, to me, I don't think there was a game, at least the way Origin was playing today, where that pick would have ultimately work the way they wanted just because their vision wasn't there because they didn't have the setup for the kind of ganks that Twisted Fate thrives on. And and maybe, 
you know, you can say that in retrospect. And, and in game two, maybe you weren't ready to say that. But in game four, maybe by that point, you, you look at the Twisted Fate and say, we only have one red side ban here. There are other ways we can use it. And, uh, and, and, and in, you know, I, again, I understand both sides. If, if I'm Flash Wolf's coach, I am content losing three games to Peke playing Anivia mm-hmm. than losing three games to him playing Twisted Fate. Oh. I'll put it that way. No, that's fair. And, and on Blue side, for sure, it's it's a brilliant ban. I granted, think. he he played the Anivia once in, at World so far, but I even the casters were still surprised that he was pulling out Anivia today in the first game. Like, mm-hmm. I granted, that's on my list of, okay, champ, you know, champions x Peke plays, whatever. He plays Anivia. I'm still not expecting it. And there is no way that Anivia is, you know, his top, you know, one of his top three champions. It, it really was a pick that is basically saying, we know this game's going to go to the 40-minute mark, so we're just going to pick something that we know hyperscales in the late game better than just about anything else. Yeah. And in that way, like, he could have played Karthus and done the same thing. Uh, uh-huh. That wouldn't have actually surprised me at, at all. Uh, I think he's better at Anivia than he is on Karthus. But I, I'm more surprised that, again, there was this weird, you know, game three, now you know that the Anivia is a big thing. They didn't even try to ban it. For whatever reason, Origin decided not to pick it, Yeah, which I, makes no sense. But Yeah. No, I, I'm, I'm agreeing with you. It made no sense. You had the exact you – know, you had a very similar – unless the only difference is – no, I, I really don't understand. You almost have the exact same team comp as in game one. Yeah. Except you're just relying on Siege as opposed to – uh, you know, team fighting, which you can siege just as effectively with an Anivia with the wall and the mm-hmm. long range stun and the ultimate. Like, I, I didn't understand why they went to Oriana. At the time that they picked it, I was like, oh, I guess it's going to be to protect the Jinx and add some zone control. But, like, watching it, he just didn't do anything against the Victor. Yeah, I, I will say this. I think the reason that that Anivia pick worked so well. It comes down to the way that Flash Wolves is organized as a team. I brought up yesterday, NL does 38% of this team's damage. Uh, Mabel does about 28% of it. Mm-hmm. Those two guys are so huge for this team. And I thought that NL going to Kaylin was a really smart adaptation because it gave him an escape that he didn't have before. Yes, he's a great Jinx player. And yes, when the lane's working perfectly and he's able to get those resets, he's very, very good at it. He's not quite on, but he's very, very good at it. But he wasn't getting those because Niels was playing so well. So now he needs an escape so he can you know, stay alive in these fights. And this is why the Anivia Ice Wall, I think, was so crucial in each of these three victories. Because, yes, early on in the game, obviously, you know, the Anivia needs to farm up. The Anivia needs to have the tier scale and the Rod of Ages scale. But once it gets there, you use that wall to isolate one of those two people away from the rest of their team. You put the ult down on them. You use the rest of your team to to get the damage on. You let Niels focus that guy out. And now you're playing, you know, 5v4, and one of the two people that you need to be scared of is gone. And there's really only one target left you have to worry about, because Stake's just not that guy. And it's clear, you know, when you put him on the Oriana instead of the Anivia, you know, this was the game in which NL and, and Maple had a very easy time living from start to finish, and they had the most effect. And that's why I think Flash Wolves maintained the lead that they got for themselves instead of having, you know... Origin come back in one of those late game team fights like they did in the first two games. Fair enough. I'd, I'd say it's a very fair point. Yeah. But but this game three, it, it's hard to really focus on it now because it it feels like it was such a stomp in retrospect. It really wasn't at the time. 
you know, at the 30 minute mark, it could have gone either way. And then you immediately have that barren fight at the 30, you know, 31 minute mark where Soaz just decides he's going to go kill crazy and leave poor Niels alone to try to take this Baron. And you get the debuff and suddenly he's not doing as much damage and NL gets the steal and they just never recovered as a team. I mean, is is this the, the perfect uh, Invin moment about how Soaz plays with, uh, has a great hand and a terrible head? Mm, I'm not sure about that. I, I don't know that Niels necessarily should have kept the, the Baron aggro. Mm-hmm. I think they should have just let it reset and just try and finish the fight. Um, I think there are other moments of of proving that point about Soaz, but maybe for Mithy or, uh, you know, when they played the Callista game. I think that Tom Kench was a very, very smart pick by uh, by Orion in the, the two games that they played him. Uh, I just think he was better utilized in Game 1 than he was in Game 2. I think in Game 2, they he was their only engage, really. Like, mm-hmm. trying to ult and, uh, and take someone into the back line, and it just wasn't very effective because it was extremely telegraphed. Yeah. So I think this just came down to Orian kind of skewed away from what they wanted to do with the Oriana. They should have just kept the Nivea and stayed with what was working. And they didn't really have a, a really strong engage uh, tool, other than maybe Gragas Body Slam or the Tom Kench Ultimate. And then they fixed that in Game 2, where they went, you know, Morgana, Elise, back to the Anivia, and then played Lulu Jinx. So. Yeah, no, I, I think that's entirely fair. And it was, I will say, I, I'm going to give Origin a lot of credit. You know, Neil says in the post-game interview that he'd played 10 games of Jinx in solo queue. And some people would have looked at, you know, he never played in the right, you know, in an LCS game. His first competitive Jinx game was in, you know, in this only loss in the series. Maybe he should fall back to one of his many different, you know, the, you know, the Callista's up. And they say, no, we're going to make sure that NL doesn't get his Jinx. And we're going to trust the rest of our team to kind of take it on from there. And and it, and it works out beautifully. But I, I guess here's my question for game four. Do you think that taking the jinx away from NL was more or less crucial to this team's victory than so as being able to bully that Aurelia pick by stake on his Lulu? Less crucial. Yeah. I think it was less crucial because Orion just could have gone Callista. Mm-hmm. They just could have gone Callista and either ran the Tom Kench again, or ran Morgana, or ran Annie, or you know, ran any of any number of things. I don't think that, that I don't think taking the Jinx away was the, the key factor. I think it helped because it again put NL onto Caitlyn, which uh, which can be abused by by Morgana and Jinx if played appropriately. I think Jinx's rockets are much stronger than the poke that Caitlyn can put out, mm-hmm. uh, and I just think that. They said it on the broadcast that having Soaz in a winning matchup was the most important thing that they could do. The three games that Soaz came out ahead in laning phase were the three games that they won. The one game that they lost, he was behind. The Aurelia pick made very little sense other than they wanted to try and do some 1-4 split push composition because they knew that Lulu was always going to have to be with the Jinx to be very effective. But I think if you're going to do that, instead of going Thresh, you need to go Braum. Yeah. 
if you see if you see what composition is being picked, you see the Lulu, you see that there's a Jinx, you see that there's a Morgana, you're not picking Elise, so you have to assume Amazing is either going to play Elise or Gragas. And then you know that Peke can play Oriana or Anivia or is going to play some sort of control mage. Having Braum and having the, the uh, Unbreakable, the shield, mm-hmm. is really, really helpful when you're trying to counter Siege or when you're trying to go for a 4v1 uh, Siege off to the side. Yeah, no, I, and so. I, I think that's absolutely fair. Unfortunately, it's not really Sword Art style. He only played one Braum game this whole championship. He lost that particular game. Uh, he wasn't the problem with that game per se, but it's <laughs> not it's not his style. He he much prefers the Threshes, the Morganas, uh, you know, those kinds of things. And you know, I, I get wanting to play Comfort Champs in this last pick, but to me, the Aurelia was. It was throwing in the flag on this idea that they were going to be able to consistently team fight properly against this Anivia pick. You know, that that eventually, if they played the 40-minute game that they knew all these other games had been, they were going to lose because Xpeke played the Anivia so well, they were going to get isolated, they didn't have a late-game answer to it. So they felt, I, I think they felt this urge to play a composition that would spike earlier than the compositions that they had played up until this point and try to win the game in, in such a way that they could then, you know, push forward and, and force that game five. Because I, if you wait around for that Anivia to scale, you're going to lose. And, and the problem is that Stake isn't that kind of player. He's never going to manhandle Soaz. That was never going to happen. It was never going to work. And even with the two four-man ganks early that gave Flash Wolves the first two kills of this game... And gave them, you know, they were behind in gold at 15 minutes. Which is kind of insane. They were just so behind in CS because Stake was so far behind in that matchup. And Karza, to make these four-person ganks work, was so far behind in his jungle form. Yeah. It's kind of of incredible that Amazing was just able to farm until he hit level 6 as Elise. Like, if you're a jungler, me being a jungler, from everything I've learned from watching Meteos, from watching... uh, uh, Saint, from watching Santorin, from watching Amazing himself stream, as Elise, you should be ganking right at the start. You should be nonstop ganking. Mm-hmm. You know, you should be trying to get your 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 lanes ahead as much as possible. And the fact that they were able to just sit, he was able to just sit in the jungle and farm up until he got six and wasn't punished for it is kind of ridiculous, in my opinion. On a champion that that's their job is to gank pre six. Uh, for the record, for people who are curious, as much as we said very nice things about Karza throughout, you know, this tournament, uh, he hammered in on Rek'Sai in all four of these games. That brings his total record on Rek'Sai throughout this tournament to two and five. It wasn't a particularly strong pick for him. He was much better on the lease, and he was much better on the Nidalee. And and my question is, can he just not play a lease because, you know, they were banning it. On the other side, and I'm and I'm starting to realize now maybe he just couldn't play it. Like maybe the reason they had to ban it when he, they were on. Blue no, he side. played it. He played. They played it game two. Uh, yeah, game, you, they played it game two. Amazing played Rexai. Oh, you're right. I, I mixed. They, that fir- up. I they first that. picked the yeah. They first picked the Elise away. Well, I, I guess that's well, his, second. Then pick. they must have not felt comfortable with it. I guess it just it seems yeah. weird to me that uh, Elise is available on a last rotation. Why why would Elise ever be available on the last rotation for anything? Because it, they had to ban the more, they had to ban the Twisted Fate instead, and they took Rek'Sai with their their second rotation because Carso was not good on Elise in game two. 
Yeah, but Carson wasn't good that great on Rexai in any of these games. I guess so that's play Lee Yeah, that would have been great. Lee Sin <laughs> in Italy. Lee Sin in Italy were available this whole tournament, and they never handed him the you know the keys to that car. I it, to me, this is the perfect example of a team playing not to lose. That's that's what Flash Wolves were this entire tournament to me. They were going to have these forty plus minute games in all of these games, and they were going to try to play these compositions such that. Maybe they could turn that one fight or that two fight, or those two fights they need around because they have NL, because they have Maple, and both of those guys are so crucial for this team. But the problem with that strategy and the reason that I think it ultimately failed is because when you only have two high damage targets that you need to win these fights every time, you're putting yourself in a position where you have to play perfectly or you lose. And the difference between... Origin and and Flash Wolves in this game more than anything else. Origin had three damage dealers and Flash Wolves had two. And mm-hmm. Origin eventually one of those three people was going to come through and isolate one of those two guys out. And you can lose one third of your damage and be okay. When you lose one half of it, it's really hard to come back in a team fight. And in so many of these games. You know, the Sword Art doing the second lock into the Iron Solari just to desperately try to get more and more health in that fourth game. Like, that's the ultimate sign of just, we are afraid to do anything proactive like a Banner of Command would be. Or any other item they possibly could have built as a support, really. They Mm -hmm. just, they didn't have the confidence in it. And, you know, I I guess Flash Wolves, you, you go home from this tournament and say, hey, we won our group when no one expected us to. We, you know, we, we did all these things that the Taiwanese region hasn't done in forever, and that's awesome. But to me, this was this was an opportunity to try some things, to really yeah. mix some stuff up, try to throw Hermit off his game. And, and you know, these these blue side bands, like the, the Varus and the LeBlanc, like Varus was never played in this whole thing. Even when they had the opportunity, NL had no desire to play it. LeBlanc was something that was played in game one. They realized it didn't work, and Origin was still banning it because they just had that one strategy they desperately wanted to do. This could have been exploited. You could have tried some things. You could have mixed some things up, and they didn't. They played it super safe across the board and were hoping that the power of these two really good guys was going to be enough. And teams are too good once you get to the quarterfinals. These are the eight best teams in the world most of the time. I I think the virus ban in the last game was was intentional. I don't think it was that they were afraid he was going to play it, but I think they wanted to try and force him onto the Caitlyn. I think that was entirely the intention was, we're going to take Jinx, you're going to play Caitlyn, fine, we're good with that. We just don't want you on the Varus because the ultimate is, is kind of... The ultimate can change a team fight. Just straight up can change a team fight. As for the LeBlanc, it's a throwaway. Like, what else do they need to ban? They're going to, what, Rek'Sai? Like, well, whatever. I know. I, I mean, and that's fair. Here's a question for you. Why did Flash Wolves not pick Jinx in the first rotation in that game four? Because it was available. Origin first picked Lulu. You could have had Rek'Sai Jinx. Not, not, wouldn't have been a problem. The, the, why? What was your plan? Were they afraid Orion was going to take the victor? I, I don't know. Yeah, because the victor... Maybe, maybe they honestly didn't played. think that Niels was going to play Jinx... Again? A second game in a row. Did they really feel that confident in the NL Caitlin lane in that last one? I, I don't know. I, actually, actually, I bet they thought they were going to go uh, Kalissa. I bet. I honestly think that the coach of Flash Wolves thought that oh, Niels is the best Kalista is one of the best Kalista players left in the tournament. There's no way they're not going to take Kalista. And, and you know what? For the record, maybe the Kalista versus Jinx. You know, we saw that matchup already in this game. Maybe you know they have that in their mind in game two. 
maybe against the Callista, you know, even if they knew the Callista was there, maybe they still don't pick Jinx. I don't know. But I do just really question the overall mentality that Flash Wolves seem to bring to these games. And to me, it's a shame because I think this Flash Wolves is a better team than they let on today. And, uh, you know, I, I like to see teams perform at their best. I think Origin, you know, did enough to win these games. I don't think it was their cleanest performances by mm-hmm. any means. They did enough to earn that semifinal spot. Uh, right. I'm not I'm, – I'm a lot less convinced that they can take a game off of SKT after today. Oh. I, I, I don't – I think SKT very well might go through this tournament 9-0. and going forward i i don't i i'm uh, they're gonna to lose one game they'll lose one game someplace we'll see maybe not against orion but i think in the finals it's there's there's no way they go nine and no i i'm not sure I, i'm i'm willing to bet against faker to lose a game at any point yet i i want to see what how they play tomorrow and that's where we go next so let's let's talk about this skt ahq series now yesterday we went back and forth through every single matchup because every single matchup i think was was valuable to look at. And mm. this one, there are really a couple matchups that I, I really want to focus on. And it starts with Ziv versus Marin in the top lane. You know, Ziv right. has kind of been this huge force for AHQ in the games that they've won. They've really relied on their side lanes, having this hard pushing power and being able to free up Westor to make these roams. But now he's going into Marin, who's been this huge kind of unstoppable carry threat so far this tournament. What does AHQ do to try to get Ziv into this game and and try to not get, you know, and, and try to allow that sideline to push the way that they need their composition to to work out? You need to somehow trick SKT into putting Marin on Darius so Ziv can play Nar. Mm. You need just you need Ziv, you need to give Ziv the counter. You need to give him the counter pick every single time. That that is your that is SKT's playmaker, and that is going to be your playmaker in this series. You cannot rely on Westor. And honestly, I think Westor has proven that he just has his play style is that he's going to lose lane anyways, but then he's going to make plays in the mid to late game. So fine, whatever. I'd almost just first pick your mid laner. Honestly, with Westor, you kind of know what he's going to pick anyway, right? Yeah, I. It's it's going to be Fizz, or it's going to be Twisted Fate. And Faker's gonna laugh, and you're gonna be like, "I'm playing Fizz." I it it, it just comes down to you need to put Ziv in the best position to be successful. Whether that's repeatedly ganking his lane, whether that is you know putting them in a two v one scenario, whether that is you know making sure he has the counter pick to whatever Marin's picking, you need to make your entire game plan revolve around Ziv, not around On, not around uh, Westor, not around Mountain, not around Elvis, not around anybody. It's got to be around Ziv. Just straight up, he needs to be counterpicked every single game. I, I agree. And, and it's one of those things where a lot of people are going to say, but On was such a good carry and his jinx was incredible. And yes, that's very true. I loved watching On on day two for AHQ. I thought he had four incredible games in that, uh, in that week two outing. But it was, uh, it, it's not a thing that you can build around because of how good Marin and Faker are. You already know you're losing the mid lane. In fact, you're already pretty aware if you're HQ, you're going to lose the mid lane hard. I don't. I think you know you're looking at Westor, who is a rather weak laner as a general rule. Uh, mm-hmm. Here's some stats for you about Faker for people who are interested. He has the lowest gold share uh, of, of all mid laners on this team of, of people that are you know not even just people who are still in the tournament. In general, he earned only 22% of his team's overall gold. He was giving up resources like crazy. 
Still up 563.5 gold at 10 minutes. Uh, still averaging uh, a much higher creep score than uh, most people. He had a 16.3 creep score lead at 10 minutes. And this was playing against people like Pawn, who are particularly good at these kinds of things as a general rule. And now you're throwing him Westor. Westor, in case you're curious, minus 17.1 CS at 10 minutes. That might be a problem. I'm just throwing it out there. Maybe a problem. Yeah. I uh, so so you know you're losing that lane. Even if you think you can win the the bot lane, you have to win more than that. And, and I think you're right. I think you have to put Ziv in that position. And I agree with you. I think it's the two v one lane swap. That's that's the one that calls out the most to me. Is just putting Marin in a position where his his peak is later in the game. Let AHQ try to set the pace of this game before Marin gets to his I am Marin and I just kill everything now phase. And you hope that you're able to, as a team, keep him down long enough that he never gets to that level and that somehow in all of this faker is kept down enough that Westor can get these side lane kills and do... Man, there are so many things that have to go right for AHQ to win a game. But, uh, <laughs> but let's talk about one of the other things that needs to go right. Mountain versus Bengi. This is one of those lanes that, uh, this jungle matchup, I guess I should say, that is particularly interesting to me because I think Bengi has really surprised me in terms of how well he's been able to play and how much he's been able to do for the team, both when Faker and Easy Hoon are in play, whereas Mountain has had a couple really good games and a couple really bad games. When you look at, you know, what Mountain has to do as far as setting the pace and throwing Bengi and the rest of SKT off their game, What's the best way for Mountain to do that? Ward control. Uh, you have to you have to outward and you have to outward clear the probably the the greatest uh, the greatest vision controlling jungler of all time. Like I, I'm just looking at it. I don't think there's a way for Mountain to do it. In, in all honesty, in all honesty, I think Bengi is just a better jungler than him across the board and. If Mountain wants to be successful, you have to get Ziv, Ziv going. Like, I think it all comes back to Ziv. If you want to win this game, Mountain needs to be camping for uh, for Ziv. He needs to just be sitting in that lane. He needs to sacrifice experience. He needs to do whatever he needs, whatever he can to make sure Ziv gets ahead of Marin. Mm-hmm. Because something tells me that SKT is going to come at HQ with a couple different styles that are going to rely on Marin, whether it's a team fighting composition or whether it's just straight split push, whatever it is, mm-hmm. that is the matchup that that's the only matchup that matters. Everything else kind of goes around that. I think the bot lane of HQ can kind of go even with with Wolf and Bang, um, just in terms of playing safe, making sure you don't get too far behind. We already know what Westdoor versus Faker is going to be. It's going to be Faker is going to be 100 CS ahead of him at 10 minutes, mm-hmm. whatever. It is what it is. Okay. And uh, and Mountain just – you can't play Benki's game. You need to play your game, and that's going to be getting Ziv ahead. Well, well, this is the funny thing. You talk about you can't play Benki's game. He kind of has played Benki's game to some extent. You look at, at their stats. Uh, yeah, I, I Almost did. identical <laughs> wards placed, almost identical wards cleared, almost identical in terms of gold earn, effective gold earned, damage percentage. Damage permitted is slightly in Bengi's favor, but not by much. CS permitted is slightly in Mountain's favor, but not by much. 
Gold per ten, at, at gold difference of ten minutes is obviously in Bengi's favor, but that's because he's on SKT and they're getting a lot more towers and a lot more of these global gold things. Mountain's actually leading in CS more than at, at ten minutes than Mountain is. The biggest difference, though, Mountain getting these kinds of stats is eighteen point two percent of his team's gold share. He is a much bigger portion of the team. Bengi, that's fifteen point seven. That's basically saying Bengi can do all of the things that Mountain can. And the rest of his team is going to be so much more efficient because of how effective he's able to use these wards, how effective his clears are. He just, it, it's, uh, to use the phrase that Emily Rand used when she came on the podcast uh, before the group stage to talk about these Korean teams, it's all about, it's not about how many wards Bengi places, it's that they're always in the right place at the right time. Mm-hmm. And the problem with Mountain is he's good for about five or ten minutes, and then he goes to the jungle and farms for ten or fifteen because he's not very good at these mid lane ganks. And on the one hand, I appreciate a, a player for understanding what his weaknesses are. On the other hand, you can't play that way against SKT. Mm-hmm. Th- they'll eat you alive. Yeah. And that's uh that's a problem. I don't I don't it, it, I don't know what the answer is for that. I, I I wish I could be more analytical on this, but I HQ is the weaker team by far. Yeah. By far. They are a much weaker team and they have not done anything this world's that makes me go, "Oh yeah, they stand a very, you know, good chance of making SKT even do anything remotely that resembles sweating. Well, here's the one thing that they have. They have On and they have Albus in the bot lane. And Albus has looked... He did not look great in week one. He was one of the ten worst uh, players at Worlds. I think we even bought him five. 71. Um, 71. That is all I have to answer that with. 71. 71 what? For people at home who just... KDA for Bang. Oh, yeah. He has one death in the tournament. <laughs> you were about to go on this thing about how Albus and An can go toe-to-toe with Bang and Wolf. And I, granted, th- their numbers are inflated because they played against Bangkok Titans. So and Wolf's H2K. K- That's also and H2K. Inflation. Wolf has a 15.6 KDA. Mm. He died five times. And this is the guy that go, that we all say, oh, yeah, he constantly gets you know caught out on you know rotations and going to warding. And I... <sighs> No, I don't see it. I, I, at best, I see them going even, and even Hjarnin and Yellowstar kind of went even against them. For or, uh, Hjarnin and uh, Kossing went even against them for like ten minutes, and then it got to team fight phase, and Bang went off with a bang. I mean, yeah, but still, though, like, <laughs> I mean, that's fair. You're absolutely right. I, I mean, I, I find it hard to believe that SKT is going to lose this game in any particular lane, just because I think SKT is the best team in the world. This is why I'm I'm not so sure that they drop a game this whole tournament, because, and, and this goes back to what we said after the group stage, when we were just looking at, you know, how SKT played on that last Friday. They just have shored up all of their weaknesses. The things that you used to look at them and say, you can attack this, you can't attack anymore. They're really solid, or good, or great, if you look at the way Bang's playing so far. And the things that were strengths are now even more of strengths. Marin's playing the best that I've seen him play in a long time. And Faker is doing so much with so little. And it's very easy to look at his raw stats and be like, oh, well, he's not putting out damage like he used to, or he's not getting, you know, as many kills. And it's like, yeah, but Cut doesn't have to. And look what he's, he's giving up so much, and he's still terrifying. That's the thing about Faker. This is, this is a whole new level in Faker evolution, as far as I'm concerned, is just... 
how much he's able to do while still giving up as much as he can to all of his other teammates so that they can carry just as much as he can. He's the best player in the world. He is. It's, he's really, really good. He is the best player in the world. And and you know what? In all honesty, I, we've had this argument before about, you know, oh, and people compare him to like Michael Jordan or whatever. I think he's LeBron. I think now that I've really thought about it, I think he's LeBron James and that LeBron makes everyone around him better. Mm-hmm. And early on in his career, he tried to do it all by himself. And now now Faker is like Miami Heat LeBron, mm. where he has the pieces around him and he's making everyone else around him better. Marin is probably Chris Bosh and Bang is probably Dwayne Wade, if we want to really make the comparison go that far. But I think that's that is him. And Jordan is somebody else that people would laugh at me if I actually said out loud, so I'm not going to. I'm assuming you're going to say forgiven. No. No. Why would I say forgiven? I don't know, because he's got that same look of, I am not going to let anyone For- beat me. Forgiven is probably Allen Iverson. That's fair. That's actually I, no, no, no. Yeah, like I said, you would laugh if I actually said it out loud. But I think this is, this is Faker realizing that I can't do it myself. And that was what he learned last year when he tried to do it himself to get them to Worlds. And, and he failed. He realized, I can't do it myself, but by having other people help me, I have to help them be the best they can be. And he's pulling what Bengi the, – the story that they tell about Bengi was that Bengi was also a very selfish, you know, me, me, me style player. And having him and, and Faker on the same team, and Faker was having all these problems, and they became good friends because they had similar personalities. So then Bengi changed his entire play style to make Faker better. Mm-hmm. That's what Faker's doing right now. Yeah. Is that he is good enough that he can be put into what other teams would consider losing situations for their mid laner, having you know a poor champion pick or not getting as much gold, not getting the side lane farm, you know, not getting as consistent camp or, or or ward control in the mid lane, and he's taking that and he is as good as he is, able to still win and make everyone else around him better. It, it, you know, first of all, I want to say that this is the best analogy you've ever put on this podcast. I'm just throwing that out there now. He is LeBron James. I, I, I can't agree with you more. Um, I'll, right down to the fact that he has the throne intro. He literally had the whole king intro thing for OGN. One of four players in Korea to ever get that. So it really all ties together very well. I, I think this is, you know, I, I, I guess we usually wait to do our predictions until after we get the unicorn line. So let's just get to the lines. Where do you think the line is for this game? SKT minus 350. Oh, boy. Way too uh, low. You would have needed to add another 3,000 to that guess. It is minus I, – I guess minus 1,000. It's minus 3,333. <sighs> Sorry, AHQ. You're the first sound of sacrifices. There is no – now I need to go on Unicorn, and I just need to see is there – like is it even worth putting 100 on SKT? <laughs> Uh, If you put 100 on SKT, you will get 103 back. Okay. So, ladies and gentlemen, here's what you're going to do. You're not going to make money off of SKT in this game at all. So, go ahead and just bet 5 on AHQ. Just on the off chance something absolutely bonkers happens. What? Like Faker gets in in a car accident on the way to the stadium and the poor guy has to watch in the hospital? Well, no, because then you have Easy Hoon. You still win. Not yet! I, I, I'm going off of the you're not going to make any money on SKT winning this game. No, None. you're not. None but at all. 
This is why the exotic bats are the most beautiful thing in the world, because there is some money to be made if you are very convinced in how much SKT wins this. By the way, for people that do want to know those uh, those uh, upset bets for AHQ, if for whatever reason you are swayed by uh, AHQ winning, uh, it is plus 1,100. If you put five on there, you win 60 if they pull it off. So, you know. Play- do, I, do I really have to bet on this game? I mean, here, here's what, here's why we're gonna get to bet. So, first of all, map one winner. Uh, usually, again, we 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 don't guess these formally. So, like overall, it's uh, it's six six in the guess the lines challenge for worlds because I got a point for that one. Um, but we, I like making you guess this for fun because I think it's kind of interesting. What do you think the odds are that SKT wins map one? Just map one. Oh, oh, see, the, the unfortunate thing is that I already opened it, so I kind of see the differential. But oh, I cannot okay. calculate. I cannot calculate decimal odds in off the top of my head. So I'm going to say it's like minus one fifty. Yeah, you really cannot guess decimal odds in your head. It is minus five hundred twenty-six. Is that really what? <laughs> <laughs> wow. Okay. One point one nine equals minus five hundred and fifty-six. Yes, Got because it. it's divided out of so like one point oh three is minus three thousand three hundred thirty-three, because it's all it's oh, yeah, it's, it's all go. by uh, I forget exactly I how it all works, but like one point oh one is minus ten thousand, and so you kind of work off of that scale. I, it's basically. <laughs> it, <laughs> It's it's weird, man. A decimal system, I appreciate you. And, like, people are going to say, like, oh, but you just take the number that you bet and then multiply it by what you have, and that's what you win. It's it's very simple. It's not simple. I like my plus and minuses. They make sense to me because it's all based off of what happens if you want to win 100 or bet 100. That's what I like. It's what makes sense to me. I'm sorry, Europe. I really am. But that's why we use what we use here. Uh, in case we actually haven't explained that to, to people on Unicorn. By the way, uh, yeah, I, I think it's probably because we're Americans and we're just used to seeing the pluses and the minuses, not yeah. you know, this weird decimal system. W- one day we're going to learn the weird decimal system because it seems to be what you know this site uses and this is the site we, we use. We use so. inches, not meters. <laughs> not feet. A- we use feet, not meters. AHQ <laughs> plus 370, by the way. If you think that they have some crazy map one strat. This on the red side bands, which, by the way, there is nothing. I, I'm going to just say this right now. There's no reason to bet on the two seed to win map one unless you're really, really confident that they're the better team. Because at this point, like the, the difference between banning on blue side and red side is so huge. I just wouldn't risk it. You're just giving up too you many. You can't make money on this at all. No, you can't. Well, hold on. Hold on. There is a, there is a way. There's a little bit of money to be made. <laughs> so over under on maps played, the under for maps played, minus 667 if you think this is going to be settled in four games or less. So, yeah, not a lot of money made there. If you think that H- AHQ can win two games and make this a five-game series at the very least, oh. that is a plus 450. Yeah, that's probably not happening. I, I admit that. Okay. <laughs> but let, here, let's talk about this. Where's the money to be made? We're getting there. Here, here's the money to be made. If you think AHQ wins two games, that is the AHQ plus one and a half handicap. Uh, so that's that's either an AHQ finish of uh, a three two SKT victory or better for AHQ. That is plus three seventy. So you still think SKT wins? How about this? If you think that AHQ wins one game, you can bet the plus two and a half. That's plus one twenty. 
you are making more money than you bet if AHQ wins a single game with that bet. On the other hand, if you're convinced that SKT is going to win this game, this series, 3-0, to you think this is the the absolute sweep? Minus 149. Which is not great, but it's not terrible. And that, uh, by the way, is where I'm going on this, in case you were curious at home. The Uh, the 3-0? I'm going with the three zero. That's where my heart is telling me. That's my prediction with this whole okay. series. I just, I, I think there is a possibility, but so many things have to go AHQ's way, and and at the end of the day, it's it's Faker versus Westor. So I know where I'm going on this. <laughs> By the way, for people curious at home, the last handicap uh, SKT minus one and a half. So that's if you think they win three one or better. Uh, that's minus five twenty six. Still not a ton of value there, but better than if you just bet the one point oh three. So that's something. I mean, this is one of those games. I mean, when you have a blowout like this, it's going to be really hard to find value in SKT. What I'm really interested in is seeing what the semifinals are like. Uh, assuming SKT wins this and assuming they, you know, they get to play Origin next week, what do the casinos and what do the gamblers do to kind of make that, those lines interesting? Are SKT still heavy, heavy, heavy favorites in that series? Or does Origin threaten enough that it comes down to something where there's some value on these SKT bets? I don't know. But we're going to find out. Do you want to make a prediction, Walter, on it before we, we head out? Well, yeah, SKT 3-0. Okay, so you're, so you're with me on this. Well, yeah. th- this might be the first time. I mean, we, we kind of have a rule where we have to bet on something in this whole thing. But I don't know what we're going to bet on that the other person won't also bet on. <laughs> you both believe the same thing's going to happen. What, I, this is, this is going to be – it's going to be an interesting thing. I'll probably – It's how much are you willing to bet? Yeah. I, uh, I'm, I'm guessing you know, I'm gonna, this would be the game where I put like 300 unicorns on it and then AHQ wins some crazy game. That's and, the one and, thing I'm worried about. And that's, I, could put, I could put 1,000 unicorns on this and only win 30. Like, do I really have to win, bet on this game? No, you don't have to bet on the overall, for sure. The one thing, I guess, this is the other way you talk yourself into the AHQ plus two and a half, which I'm looking at and I'm trying to talk myself into because it's plus 120 and it's not completely unrealistic. Faker wins the first two games. SKT throws in easy hoon. No. Yeah, I mean, I, don't th- I still don't think it's likely, but it's more likely at that point, right? The the fact that there was a rumor that Easy Hoon was going to start this this series and they pulled him that they're not starting him that it's still going to be Faker tells me Easy Hoon does not see a game. Well, to be fair, I don't think it was the the rumor was based off of the LOL Esports site, which only had him listed because he played in the last game. I don't think that was an SKT spread rumor that SKT was playing any mind games. You just don't have to update the schedule until two days before the game. And why would you? What benefit do you get by giving that information away? Only time we'll see him is maybe if they're up 2-0 in the World Championship. He's just so easy. Who gets to say he just played so he gets game a game. in the finals? Maybe game two so they let Faker actually win the thing. Yeah, but. that's the thing. You cannot bench Faker in the game-winning game in the finals. That would be, that would be cruel and unusual. You'd basically be telling easy Hoon, like, go out there, play well, and then throw just so we get a... So Faker can win it all. We want you to be on stage. You can look it's, great, but like it's like coaches calling timeouts to let players, like you know, seniors in college basketball, get their like final standing ovation on senior night, mm-hmm. or to get like the walk-on seniors into the game. I've seen that plenty of times. See, but, this is why I wish that there was like some rule where you could like pause and then switch mid-game 
just just to see what <laughs> like it would be completely bonkers and entirely unreasonable. But I would love it. You just Easy Hood, why are you using this rune page? It's so suboptimal. <laughs> You think, oh, Why do you have armor seals? Why don't you go health per level like a real man? <laughs> Which I have learned Faker goes health per level. Every single champion. Of course he does. Like every single champion, unless he was playing uh, Aurelia. Why he goes I, armor. Why am I not even surprised? Hey, what, how about his Olaf? Do we know what his Olaf rune page was? Uh, I mean, I can go back and look. Nah, I, 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 not, I, I just remember that like every single champion had health per health per level it is, that is insane i'm just gonna check the you know we we benefited so much from the tsm news coming in right at the end uh of our podcast oh yeah let's yesterday. let's see if there's any crazy news it does going not on. look like there is i will say i'm gonna give the, a shout out to the bbc cast that i had going on today you know i i used to live in the uk um obviously i studied at san andrews for people that have followed this podcast you've heard me talk about how cold and miserable that whole part of my life was as far as the weather was concerned at the very least but uh, but I really appreciate everything that the BBC does in terms of trying to get people into these kinds of things. And the fact that they put Damon in charge and the way that he was holding that screen. I turned into it for a little bit and it was so, so newbie friendly. It really did such a, you know, Damon does a great job of explaining the game and the very basics in a way that everyone could understand. And you look at the four-part BBC series they did, like the first thing they mention is warding and how important vision is. I thought that was really smart. Like, they've changed the way that I think I'm going to approach teaching new players about League of Legends, especially competitively. And to me, that's really cool. So shout out to the BBC for that. I'll, uh, I'll say that from the things that I saw on the front page. Is there anything that caught your eye before we head out? Uh, not, nothing that caught my eye, but you know what? I'll say something controversial. Please. Just, uh, Are you going to tell just... us who your Jordan pick is? Because I'm still waiting for this. Yeah, you're gonna need to you're, you're gonna need to just hang up the call after I say it because we're gonna get into a crazy argument. <laughs> okay, that's uh, fine. That'll that'll be how we close then. But what, what so, do you want to say before that? Oh, uh, not much. I I think we're in for I I think tomorrow's games will be kind of boring. Uh, no offense, you know, sorry AHQ, but you're probably gonna get wrecked by SKT. I'm really excited for the last two days of game. Uh, last two days of games, mm-hmm. EDG versus Fnatic is gonna be phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Uh, not only for the is you know EU truly greater than China, but also the deft reckless love affair. Yes, has another chapter added to it, which I just think is is gorgeous. Mm-hmm. It's wonderful. I can't wait to see it. It's a beautiful story. You know. And then KT versus Koo is, is or, you know, could be the greatest series we ever watched, or it could be an absolute snooze fest where one of the teams just is better than the other. Who knows? I mean, last time it went to five games, and it was a very close five-game series. Of course, <laughs> that was before everything that Someday does really well got patched super hard. So we'll see how <laughs> that goes. best KT Nation attacked. Yeah, it, it, it's a thing. But, uh, but that's a podcast. So thank you guys so much for listening. Uh, if you like what you listen to, please uh, share it with your friends. The best thing you guys could ever do for us is just tell people that you know about the podcast and, and, and tweet it out to, you know, tweet, Facebook, all those fun social media things. We love talking to you guys. Uh, so if you could follow me on Twitter at, at RedShirtKing, I love hearing from you and talking about what you think about all these games, things you agree with us on, things you disagree. Walter, where can they find you on Twitter? You can find me at C80s underscore LOL, and you get to yell at me about who I think is Jordan. Yeah, that's and that's great. And we're going to close on that. Walter, who is your Jordan pick? Reggie, I'm out. Goodbye, Internet. <laughs>